Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? Lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call Chris Brewer at Affordable Heat and Air, 317-656-7945. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance. This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Two wins back in 2019, and as everybody said, winless since. For the final time in front of me, the Napa machine, Alexander Rossi to turn number 12. The racetrack where he introduced himself for the 100th running of the Indianapolis 500. The fans start to cover their feet off of turn number 13 comes Alexander Rossi. Mark James helped bring home Alexander Rossi onto the main straightaway. Select company being a champion at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the Indy 500. And a champion on the road course to the resume is Alexander Rossi. Sees the twin checkered flag and he wins the Gallagher Grand Prix. This technical section of the Indianapolis road course, Reddick has been perfect. Can he get through 13? For the final time, he does. Oh, he almost misses the corner. Here comes the one of Ross Chastain one more time. Out of 14, Tyler Reddick looking for his second Cup Series win. It's going to come in Indianapolis. Hear him downshifting the final few corners here at Indianapolis. A year ago, he won the Cup Series race here. A surprise winner as Denny Hamlin went off track. He was able to hang on and win the race. And now, A.J. Allmendinger in the Xfinity Series. What a run he has had. He'll cross the yard of bricks. Allmendinger wins it. Indy again. Yeah, let's go! Welcome to Indianapolis, race fans. I think we can now officially declare it race weekend. Nightly trackside continues, 93.5, 107.5, the fan, as we highlight previous NASCAR IndyCar combos with NASCAR on the road course, IndyCar on the road course last year. So nice for IndyCar. We do it twice per year, or at least have the last few years. Eddie Garrison is in Indianapolis in our studios. Well, Kurt and Kevin are in Indianapolis, but in different locations. Kurt's still finishing things up at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I've made it back to the Westside Bureau for this evening. Thank you for joining us. I'm Kevin Lee. That's Kurt Cavan. You know who you are. You're welcome to join in at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan on X, formerly <laughs> known as Twitter. And we'll, we'll get into some of those uh, coming up before we're done tonight in the last segment. Hey, we're ready for race cars on the track tomorrow. There were transporters being loaded in. So we'll start with that, right? Transporters came in today. What comes in tomorrow? Race cars? No, the haulers. Oh, the they haulers. Oh, I got you. <laughs> yeah, they don't have transporters. And we like to, and we have someone come over from NASCAR world, say, I'll meet the driver at the hauler. We give them lots of grief. No, we don't do haulers in IndyCar. Difference between the garage and the paddock. Although at IMS, it is the garage. You know, I refer to where we normally are. 
as the garage area. Now, in this case, this weekend, it's back to the paddock because there is no garage. It's just tents and temporary setups because let's remember, this is a NASCAR weekend. And I know that rubs the IndyCar people. It annoys everyone. Wait a minute. This is this is our house. Be like us showing up to Daytona International and kicking them out. But the difference is this is or certainly was a NASCAR event. And it is a NASCAR event. There's guaranteed money, a lot of it exchanging hands for the NASCAR portion of this weekend. And this started because Roger Penske asked for a favor. It was during the COVID year. Hey, we need events. Can we join in your event? So that's how that started. And that's why it has continued in that fashion. And that, to that case, I get it. I understand it. Well, we've been asking for a NASCAR IndyCar double header, or we had been for quite some time. So when we got to July 4th, 2020, this was, you know, it was like Christmas for us. We got to see, you know, everything. And and in fact, this year we get an extra dose of, of motorsports by having Indy next by Firestone. So it's been really good, but we are going to have to remember it's on Friday and some parts of Saturday, it's oversteer and understeer and then pushing and loose when we get to the to the stock car portion but no there's a lot of terminology that's just a little bit different and uh it'll be fun uh it, you know it's the speed discrepancy it's the you know the size of the cars you know you get used to seeing indie cars at at a certain speed and and certain uh, sleekness and then and then you hear the cars on the on the V8s, the the big NASCAR Cup cars at a different sound, even than the Xfinity cars compared to the Indy cars compared to the Indy Next cars. So it's it really illustrates kind of the difference in in the sport and how they race. You know, even just the simple things that you'll notice by coming to this event or watching them on TV this weekend, even in the Cup Series versus the Xfinity Series, the track is just. It looks wider when you've got the small, the, the narrower, uh, or at least the smaller Xfinity cars compared to the Cup cars. When they go through the S's, turns five and six, the Xfinity cars go through there a little easier side by side than the Cup cars do. And so, you know, it's just there's just differences. It's fun to watch. Um, I compared it, you know, on this show a few weeks back after the sports car test, just all the different manufacturers. You know, even in the top class, the GTP class, you know, the different sounds of the cars, the different looks, the different way they approach corners. It's just I think that's what we enjoy. And sometimes, you know, when you watch one series or the other all the time, you don't you don't get to see the differences. And so that that's really going to be on display over the next three days. And today, you know, I mentioned that we saw drivers today. That's that's good. We start to see that this event kind of blossoms before our eyes. You and I got a chance to be at the racetrack today, at least from the IndyCar and, and Indy Next side, got to start thinking about it, got to see, you know, the pit boxes going up, got to see the transporters in place. And it's just it's just a reminder, again, that, you know, we get to experience this sport in our hometowns, and uh, it'll be fun for the fan base as well. And if you're in Speedway, you also did get to see the haulers because they just finished up the hauler parade uh, in Speedway just just a little while ago. That was t- that was tonight, right? Yeah. Yes. It yeah, was. I think so. And 
So they're getting there early. They're going to pull in tomorrow, but there's no NASCAR tomorrow. So they must just be parked somewhere around because NASCAR is not in or on track until Saturday, but they're on track early Saturday. So, yeah, all the setup is going to be tomorrow for both Cup and, and Xfinity. Also, we probably should just remind the audience who's been listening to JMV and and the highlight show in the last hour, because I'm not sure that everyone gets it yet. That's that's not a hardcore motorsport fan. This is a road course weekend. You know, NASCAR was on the oval for many, many years, but this is a road course weekend, which I think adds a lot of interest. Um, stock cars are fun to watch on road courses. That's why they've gone from two that they had for so many years, just Watkins Glen and Sonoma, to now six, seven, I think one year because of circumstances. There might have been eight, and maybe there's six, six or seven. I don't have the schedule in front of me this season. It's different between Xfinity and Cup because the NASCAR fans, even though they like oval racing, have found those races are interesting. Now that what they're challenged with is, all right, everybody got tired of the mile and a halfs. You know, now maybe some of the traditional NASCAR fans are getting a little tired of all of the road courses, so they need to make those unique. So they've done that with the Chicago Street Race, which worked fantastically, certainly from a business standpoint, from television ratings and bringing in new people. And I think that could potentially be one of the motivations to move this event back to the Oval that we've talked about, which, as far as I know, is not 100% certain, but unless this tire test goes really poorly – on Monday and Tuesday, I would suspect that's the plan, and I think they're already pretty far down the road. I've heard of some significant tweaks in the NASCAR schedule that you'll be hearing about, and we've already we already know about one tweak to the IndyCar schedule, and with that, that's going to lead to another thing or two, and probably a new venue. Um, but all that makes it makes it interesting for this weekend, you know. I, so so now moving ahead, I know we're jumping ahead because I, I do like this combination of NASCAR and IndyCar introducing themselves to the other's fan bases. And unfortunately, that is going to go away. And I know some of us on the IndyCar side are not crushed by that because of some of the things I mentioned. You felt like a visitor at your own home track. And it doesn't do a ton for IndyCar because they're the warm-up act. IndyCar is done before NASCAR takes to the track, or at least before NASCAR races. So really, the IndyCar broadcast becomes, because you can't promote very well what already happened. It already happened. So you're looking ahead to the next program. So we are promoting Xfinity and promoting Cup and so forth. Now, they, they do do a nice job. They try to come back and show a couple of highlights, and you'll see a highlight of the IndyCar race on the cup race. And if an IndyCar driver sticks around, you might see an interview and Hinch is going to be on the pre-race show on the NASCAR broadcast on Sunday. I think junior is going to join us for a little while on Saturday, but it doesn't do a huge amount. It would, it would be really beneficial if IndyCar was after Xfinity on the same network that could do something, but I think it does still have value of just kind of getting the word out and exposing IndyCar to others and and vice versa. So where could you go next? Where else might this work? I know one fear was NASCAR is not going to want to do this because it makes their cars look slow. And and yes, IndyCar is a lot faster, but I'm interested in what you think. My thought is they're so different 
that that doesn't matter. I don't think anyone thinks any less of what NASCAR is doing because they're slower. They're slower on the ovals, too. We compare the lap times, and they're not even close. But the NASCARs can bang more. There's more action. They can maybe in some senses survive a little contact uh, at times if all is going well. So I don't think that's a deterrent. So I hope that they still look into this option. Well, I think they they will look into it. I just don't know where it might play out. And I hadn't thought about the question in advance to to really go back to it. But, you know, I've always thought that Phoenix was the best place for it. Yep. Uh, I thought that was a place, especially when IndyCar's needing things in the spring. I don't know if it happens for 24, but but I would like to see at some point, you know, Phoenix be on the IndyCar schedule again because it was such a good place for IndyCar's for such a long time. Now, maybe that ship has sailed. I'm not sure. But if you could do it there, that would be one that would interest me. And we've talked about Richmond in the past. I would like I would think Richmond would be another great place. You know, really, Circuit of the Americas was a great place for Indy cars as well, and some place that might be, a, you know, sort of a destination for a race fan to go see a lot of racing. Um, you know, obviously there are other places, um, but I'm going to throw out one more. What's that? Texas, because it's struggling to work commercially. Yeah, as it is right now, and I think something is going to have to happen to save that race long term. Um, it's too hot in the summertime. You know, we've, we've gotten into that. It's tough to make it a true night race because you can't get network television and to make it a night race on central time zone, you've got to start it in the summertime at 10 PM Eastern. That doesn't work well for anyone to do it on Sunday at 1130 AM local time. I don't know how you're ever going to get much of a crowd there. Agreed people going to church on Sunday morning. So it just does not look very good on television. The racing, I I think they've kind of figured out something there. So maybe that's the next thing that should be efforted is try to figure out a way if NASCAR is running in the spring to maybe combine with that. It's not perfect because as the television contracts are now and how I think, but have not seen it on paper, but I think Fox is still going to have the early portion of the schedule. So that would not be ideal. So you're not going to get cross promotion from the networks there. But as I just said earlier, you're not getting a whole lot of benefit for IndyCar in that standpoint anyway, when you are the lead act. So then it just becomes, hey, where can we do a race and there be some people in the stands on an oval? Because we'd like to have more ovals. We'd like to have a big track, bigger track. I know it's different than IMS. But it's as close as you can get to IMS, right? Yeah. You know, I don't know where else we could run Homestead, maybe, if they could work out something there. But what other oval could be run? Roger Penske has stated that. We'd like to have an oval to help the rookie drivers get prepared for the Indianapolis 500. So that is another reason why Texas is important, not to mention that market size. No, the I history, think- The history of the event. Yeah, I I don't know what the answer is in Texas. It's almost a case I I think of they've seen it and they've seen it over the you know the number of years that they've seen it and maybe people just have seen enough. I mean they're just not they're not truly IndyCar fans. They were there for the event, but it it really drew well early on and and for 
for a long time, really. So I think there's something that can be done. And I think you're right. I think this is a, an avenue to pursue or at least have discussions about. Um, I don't I don't know the number of issues relative to cross promotion. I mean, you know, that game better than I do. But you see you, you see networks, you know, help each other. Uh, to some degree, but not, I don't, I'm not sure Fox and NBC are, are in this, you know, they're not aligned with, you know, normally you'd have in an NFL situation, if, if everybody is in the NFL package, it doesn't matter whether you're Fox or CBS, you're going to say, you know, the Sunday night game and make reference to it. So well, it's they're a little required different. to do that. Yeah. That, that's, that's it contractually that there is a certain amount of time uh, you know, it's probably the minimum, but once or twice per CBS game, they will say coming up tonight on Sunday night football that is contractually written in. And I suspect NASCAR has the same agreement between their television partners, for example, mentioning a truck race. And I don't think they'd be opposed to mentioning it. There's not a ban on speaking of IndyCar. I hear Mike Joy and. And Clint Boyer, you know, speak of IndyCar. And if it's there, yeah, Clint Boy and, and Clint Boyer thinks it's cool, Clint Boyer's going to talk about it. And just vice versa. We are going to talk about NASCAR. And here's the way it can work. NBC and Fox are partners in a way because they are the co-broadcasters of NASCAR. And they are working together on the, um, which football league is it? The USFL, I should yes, know those yeah, things. USFL. The USFL, yeah, that shows that it hasn't really caught my attention. I paid attention a little bit last year, um, but they're partners in that, and they've allowed some different cross promotion type of things to happen. So, I think, and, and you know what? Now, it's more than just television. I'd love to think that television rules the world, but it's about social media, and it's. Bob Pockris and Jeff Gluck from the NASCAR side, who have a huge following, who are very much interested in what IndyCar does. And the Nate Ryans of the world, who covers IndyCar and covers NASCAR. You know, that kind of thing is is how it can have value. So um, that's just a thought. I, I am not aware of any conversations. I don't see anything like that happening next year. I, I don't suspect that's on the uh, list for next year. And maybe this oval thing, who knows? It may be an every other year thing. Roger Penske publicly mentioned that at one point, the day that it was announced that he purchased the Speedway, when he was asked about the Brickyard, and he said, I wouldn't be opposed to you know, doing it every other year between the Oval and the road course. So maybe that's what becomes uh, of this. But um, I think it's interesting, and I think the racing will be good. And even though, just a thought on IndyCar here, you know, even though every you'll hear the drivers, if you listen to the Hinch and Rossi podcast, you know, Rossi will make cracks that we're there for the 84th time this year. Um, it, it is a bit redundant. But you know what? This racing has been good. I think it'd be a different story if this was just a terrible race. And my recollection, most of the time, this is a pretty good race. Yeah, it's, it's been a very good race. I think it has been good race. On the cup side, it's been a good race on the Xfinity side. It's been a good race on the IndyCar side. So this is, you know, and Doug Bowles has been preaching this. We've talked about this a couple times, but, you know, he's just befuddled by the fact that the Saturday ticket over the last couple of years hasn't been as big as as everyone expected because, you know, it's it, it, it's such a That's good day. 
Yeah, it's a great day. I mean, literally, when the cars roll off at like 930 in the morning, it might be close to dark before the cars stop rolling on the racetrack. So you get to see everything. Uh, you get to see cup qualifying and, and Xfinity and and uh, IndyCar race. So, yeah, well, we a, offered up we offered up packages in the suite for Jackson's partners and sponsors. So just an example, we have 33 on Saturday. We have seven on Sunday. So, so it's know, flipped and, a little and, bit. Gra- granted, we come from the IndyCar world. They were more, but they're more interested. They're interested in both. They want to see Xfinity. They want to see the cup cars practice. They understand that there's just more going on on Sunday. It is 9 a.m. or 9.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Action. Ten hours. Is that right? Is that the math? Yeah. 10 hours of action on track on Saturday. Sunday is awesome. It's the cup race. The cup is big, but nothing happens until 2.30. Uh, yeah. You get to walk around and, and enjoy the greatest race course in the world, but there's one race in, in the afternoon. So uh, tomorrow, by the way, here's what's on tap. First IndyCar practice is at 9 a.m. It's a 90-minute practice. Here's a thought. If you join us for that Peacock first practice, you've probably gotten to the point where, okay, I will watch the open and see what they say because Kevin is, I'm sure, going to have a wonderful what we call whip. That's the on-camera where we pick out a driver we're going to talk about, and that's the whip. And then I'll whip it over to Dylan or Dave or Marty. After that, we watch the install app where they go in and out and make sure the car is put together properly and is not leaking and then they sit for 35 minutes because they don't have enough tires to run for the full session. I didn't ask anybody that today. I didn't see any team people. I just saw some drivers. But I think there's a decent chance that they just run the whole time tomorrow. Now, the practice is 15 minutes longer. So it's normally an hour 15. Tomorrow, it's an hour and a half. But they basically have the same amount of tires that they normally have. And then the next thing is qualifying. And then there's a 30-minute warm-up. The warm-up is Friday afternoon at 4, where they're likely to run their used tires that they've already used in qualifying. So I think there's a chance that there might not be much sitting tomorrow. At least I'm going to tell myself that until I see them sitting there. And then they climb out of the car and we go do interviews. And then that works out well, too, that we get to talk to people in the middle of a practice. Well, we got to talk to drivers today for for quite some time. I'm not going to put you on the spot to ask you uh, what's your first whip segment uh, for tomorrow. Oh, I will decide that tomorrow at about eight fifty one. And usually, it's uh, this is you'd like to think that we're all buttoned up and have everything planned, but usually, it's I go out there and uh, w- one of the tips to TV is. You want to say, as so-and-so just told me, so I like to make that accurate. So I just walk around, and sometimes standing there, I'll get a good nugget right before somebody climbs in the car and say, okay, that's it. That's what I'm going to use. Or or if it's, you know, for example, if Kyle Kirkwood was in my section, I would make Kyle Kirkwood my opening whip because he's coming off the most recent win. And then I would go stand down there and wait to talk to Kyle Kirkwood and have something. But so who's, I don't know. who's the best driver in your in your section tomorrow? Uh, I'm in in pit out, so I, I have a lot of the heavy hitters. I have New Garden, McLaughlin, Pato, Dixon, Pillow, Power, 
um, Malukas, uh, Herda. So I had everybody that qualified up front in in the last race. So you know, I I could spin it a lot of different ways. I could do number two in the championship. And one thing Joseph told me today was, and I think you were standing there at the same time, so he might have actually told you. It could have been your question. Um, he said, yeah, I'm not giving up on the championship yet until we're eliminated. You know, we're, we, we know it's not super optimistic, but w- as long as we have hope, he didn't quite pull out the dumb and dumber quote, but basically it was, so you're telling me there's a chance. So here's what I'd do for my whip. I'd go, and okay. I mean, that's interesting and that's certainly more newsworthy, but I'd go down to McLaughlin and SVG is, uh, his, his longtime friend from Australia. Oh, that- that's going to be an interview during the practice session. Yeah. We're, well, we're going SV- to get SVG on. SVG wants him to be in the in the NASCAR uh, road race. He wants McLaughlin to be doing that as well. And so as does Scott. As does Scott. So yeah, I w- we I would just get- need Roger Penske to sign off on that. Well, I think Roger can uh, do whatever he wants in that respect, but but anyway, I think that's our that'll be a, as we talk about a you know a, an overlap weekend. I think that'll be an interesting watch. That SVG will be down there on. And by the way, you're going to have to say SVG's name. I only have to spell it. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen. There you go. And I, after after butchering it three times, actually, I'm sure I got it right once. But I, I told the story a couple weeks ago when you know Junior and Burton and all the NASCAR guys and and our buddy Lee Diffie, who's known him forever, you know, is watching and he's apoplectic. <laughs> Nobody can pronounce our guy's name. Come on. <laughs> and what I would say is if it's not written down in front of you and you're not familiar with it, it does become a challenge. And the first time I encountered him was he was in the car at the Rolex 24, my first Rolex 24, where I was dealing with 174. Now, I, I would say about hundred and 15 of the 185 drivers that I wasn't really all that familiar with. And he was one of them. So when he did a pit stop at 1.30 in the morning, and those pit stops are 45 seconds long, and you're talking the entire time, I believe I pronounce his name three different ways. Yeah, that's good. Well, he'll be on the pit box, I'm sure, at some point, uh, or at least very close to the pit box, to watch McLaughlin, and and I would expect the other way around as well. They They certainly know each other uh have been around each other for a long time and 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 they want to learn from each other and they were at the simulator together the other day and watched each other work and prepare and were both fascinated so i think this will be an interesting part of the weekend so scott just loved to drive and i think what we're seeing from van gisbergen you know mclaughlin was the guy beating him in the championship um and mclaughlin thought that Penske was going to take him to NASCAR and it worked out this way. But I think everybody feels like no matter what you put Scott McLaughlin in, he would have been good. He would be winning in NASCAR as well and probably even gotten there even quicker in NASCAR. So he wants to try that. He doesn't want to leave and go to NASCAR. But he was telling me a few weeks ago, I I really want to do an oval race in NASCAR. So I think he'd be happy to do anything. But he's not just only interested in doing you know, something that that's a road course race, he'd be really keen on doing an oval race in a situation. I, I don't know if he'd want to do it this weekend when he's racing IndyCar. Um, I think he'd be more interested in doing it in the fall, you know, something like that or something in an off weekend where he could really, that, that'd be a tough ask to ask someone, especially if it's your first race 
to be doing it while you're, yes, he's not fighting for a championship right now, but he and maybe that's what we'll talk about next. He and what, eight other guys are fighting for second in the championship. Realistically, that's how tight it is from second to 10th and so on. So we'll get to that coming up in just a moment. We'll look at what's coming up tomorrow uh, and plenty more. It's Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Hi, this is Alexander Rossi, and you're listening to Trackside. Race cars on track tomorrow at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Brickyard weekend officially begins, and it is a full day starting at 9 a.m. with IndyCar practice. We started to get into the schedule in the last segment, but then I went off on a tangent. Uh, that's an hour and a half. Indy next, their only practice from 11 to 11.50. IndyCar qualifying, 12.30 until 2. Indy next qualifying after that. The IndyCar, quote, warm-up or final practice, 4 to 4.30. And then the Indy next race, which will be live on Peacock, just like all the practice sessions are, at 5 o'clock tomorrow, IndyCar race. We're on the air on USA and here on IndyCar Radio uh, at 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. I think USA probably has some of the NASCAR coverage. USA is where you can find the IndyCar race and the Xfinity race that follows. The Cup race on Sunday is going to be on NBC at somewhere around 2 o'clock. I don't have the exact time for that because I'm not scheduled to appear. So I will just I will be sitting as a fan, and when I hear the race cars fire up, I will turn and I will look. And then I will remember, like I did last year, is... Wow, when those engines fire, it is a long time before the race actually starts. Yeah. They do a lot of pace laps. Yeah, they do. And, it's, and they it, take a long time. <laughs> yeah, it does. From an IndyCar standpoint, you know, as we start to understand what's going to happen this particular weekend, keep in mind a couple things. One, while the racetrack is exactly the same as it was in May, they haven't raced here in three months, and the climate's a little bit different. It's probably going to be hotter. It's it's it does while there are going to be probably the same uh, guys at the front of the field. It does present some different challenges for the engineers. Um, we would point out that uh, that that three of the well, Alex Pillow won the race back in May, the GMR Grand Prix, and he's going to be the. I saw an Indy 44 post of the betting odds for the weekend. No surprise, Alex Pillow and Joseph Newgarden are first and second in that. Joseph hasn't, while he has won a race on the road course at IMS, hasn't consistently been really good. Not like Will Power's been consistently really good. but He really struggled for a few years until he broke through. I don't have the stats in front of me, but you know he, he broke through, what, three years or so ago. But yeah, you're right. He hasn't been as strong as as maybe some some would expect being a Team Penske driver, but being a Team Penske driver certainly puts him in the conversation. Interestingly, one team did have three cars or three of its current drivers in the top five of the GMR. I guess they're all the same team now. I have to think about when Rossi uh, joined Aero McLaren because Rossi won this Gallagher Grand Prix last year and then made the move to Aero McLaren and was in the top five of the GMR Grand Prix in May, along with uh, Felix Rosenquist and Pato Award. So Aero McLaren, you know, they're certainly one to watch from the standpoint of having three in the top five back in May. Uh, Pato Award finished second, but I think it was like 17 seconds behind Pelot. So Pelot ought to be 
you know, really the heavy favorite based on championship contention, uh, based on how he performed in May, and he just continues to do well. But it it also is Will Power that we want to keep an eye on. He, in addition to having five wins on this circuit over his career, still needs a race win in 2023 to extend his annual streak of winning races currently at 16. Dixon kind of in the same boat. He's got 18 straight seasons. He still has not won a race this year. And so those are those are a couple guys and and groupings as a whole to watch this weekend. Andretti's been very good here as well. Um, Ed Carpenter racing has been stronger here. So maybe this is a, a bounce back weekend. What does Ryan Hunter Ray bring to the dynamic there? Um, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan was super strong in May. And it, it was hot. I, I watched the broadcast back yesterday from this May. It was low to mid 80s, something like that. And and for a lot of the drivers, it was, it was a really physical race. One thing I don't know is that sometimes the tire is slightly different from race to race. Is it the exact same tire? If it is not, that's a wild card. And not everything is the same. It probably is, but that's one of the things I always kind of confirm when I check in uh, on the first before the first practice session to see if there's anything different there. Uh, so that will be good, and you you'd better be good, or it gets to be a long weekend because you get one practice, not a whole lot of time to fix things if it doesn't go well, or if you have any kind of a mechanical, or if you crash, then it's you go into qualifying, and then you would get what you get. Now, this is one of those with wide open pit windows where you can get a break if you have pitted and then a caution comes out. However, um, there's not a lot of things to hit. So generally speaking, unless multiple cars have come together and it looks like someone's in peril or they haven't been shoved off the racetrack way out of the way, what they generally have done if they're inside the pit window. If anyone has already started to pit in that cycle, they have left the pit open to go by one time and everybody dives in. So the, the chances of that benefiting or um, hurting someone are not as great as they are in a street race. In a street race, when somebody hits the wall, they got to throw the caution. Here, they don't have to do that. So it is less random in a race like this. But it does, It's it's if you qualify 23rd, that's what you're going to try. If you know the pit window opens up at 14, you're going to come in at 12 or 11 or whatever, just to try to do something to get yourself in in front of the others. You you mentioned uh, Ray Hall Letterman had been strong. Christian Lundgaard finished fourth in this race last year, and he has been a driver who has performed very well. You remember. It was just two years ago he made his debut almost this very week. In fact, it was this very week. I think it, the anniversary date of that debut he made in his IndyCar Series first race was like Tuesday will be the two-year anniversary. Okay. So he, he was uh, fourth in that qualifying session, finished 11th, and he's finished second, ninth, and fourth in his other three races here. So he, he's been very good. Well, and all three cars qualified well in May, so it wasn't just Lungard. It was Harvey and and Graham Rahal, so we'll see what they can put together. And then, obviously, for every race weekend until the end of the season, what, you know, everyone is trying to improve their chances. And one would think, this deep into the season, we kind of know what everyone is, but there is a lot of competition. 
you know, Marcus Armstrong was kind of surprised to hear, really? There are 17 of us that are free agents. There, There are 17 seats that are not confirmed. By this time tomorrow, I think it's going to be 16. I think we're going to get the word tomorrow morning uh, about Meyer Shank racing. I suppose there's a chance that it could just be announcing what Elio Castroneves is doing. You know, if they've decided to backtrack on their original plans. So, so I know the plan a month ago was we're going to announce one of our IndyCar programs. So I'm sure that was Tom Blumquist. Is there a chance that okay, we know that Elio is going to do something else and we're hiring a replacement there, but we didn't actually sign Blumquist yet and we want to see Lundquist some more. I doubt it, but I don't know it. So that's the only caveat. They could still do the announcement and say, hey, we just want to give Elio his due uh, and announce what he's going to be doing next year. He is going to be in a third car in the Indianapolis 500 and he is going to be doing this with a sports car program, although I don't know that they can say that because I don't think that they have a guaranteed sports car program. That is still uh, TBD. Maybe it's guaranteed they're going to have a program, but I do not know who their manufacturer partner is yet for next year and what that is. But my guess is it's going to be announcing Tom Blumquist. And I would guess it includes telling us what's going on with LEO. But that's why yeah. we'll show up tomorrow to watch. Yeah, I don't I don't have a sense either. I mean, I don't have an official uh sense. I've not seen a release or anything, even a even a draft. But I think it just stands to reason in my mind that they'll you have to bring Elio into the conversation because you're gonna you're gonna announce Blum if you're gonna announce Blumquist, you're either gonna have to you're gonna have to address either Pagano or, or what Elio's doing. You know, to me, it, it just would, there's too many questions unanswered if you don't. And I, I want them, I want us to celebrate the, if it is the end, if Elio has accepted this and decided I'm going to do something else, I want to celebrate the final four weekends of his full-time career. I think he can do the Indy 500 and be a factor for another five years if he wants to. And I think in the right circumstance, he could still be a full-time driver. You know, I know the results have not been good at all, but it's not like the other car this year has done any good either. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's it's not that much different. Now, from the Linus Lundquist standpoint, I chatted with him a little bit today, and he did say, my phone has been ringing a lot from other teams, and I basically told everyone, we'll talk next week. I want to focus on this, uh, and then we'll talk. He did also confirm that he said, I said, have you used up all that scholarship money? And he said, nope. So there's still a little more budget that if Simon is ready to go for the next race, he could still be in a car for someone else after this. So that there is still something to kind of help that along. If someone was already planning on doing an extra car, you might see. So I don't think this is going to be Linus Lundquist's last race of the season. Agreed. I felt like and that. I, I think there's a lot of interest. <laughs> yeah, I felt like that for the last few days. I don't I don't think he's done. Okay, we'll see what we missed. We'll get into your Twitter questions. Coming up, Trackside 93.5107.5 The Fan. Hi, this is Elio Castroneves, and you're listening to Trackside. Okay, uh, what we missed in the show tonight, probably several things, but we'll leave it with this and answer a couple of Twitter questions or comments. Paul says, tire stops are mandatory. 
Do you think a minimum, and, and somebody might say, what do you mean? What do you mean tire stops are mandatory? They're mandatory on road and street courses because you must run a new set of alternates and at some point a set of primary. So he's right. They are mandatory. You're going to have to change. So tire stops are mandatory. Do you think a minimum number of fueling stops should be considered, Paul asks, as the last 30 laps until the caution at Nashville was a fuel-saving procession? Drivers would be free to race. Interesting question, but... Uh, I, I don't. Th- I think that's difficult to do. And keep in mind that even those that were fuel saving had already done two stops. They just did it at different times. And I think maybe you could also argue that by having people on different fuel strategies promotes more overtaking because some are fuel saving, and there are some tracks that gets highly annoying. Mid Ohio is one that comes to mind where it's just really difficult to get around someone. But at a place like Nashville, when they got towards the end super saving, they would have been passed. And you have to be a really good car, a really good driver to be able to keep people behind you in that circumstance. But that is always a consideration is we'd like to make it so we're not talking as much about fuel saving. So they kind of base that on the number of laps along with how much time there's available in the broadcast window and how long it's going to take and so forth. But there's no magic number. And when the caution falls at a certain time, you're just going to have fuel saving because even if you can go a little bit faster, if you can save the whatever it normally is, 30 to 40 seconds on pit road, you're going to to do that if possible. But good question. Lynn, formerly the first Spurs fan, says or asks, silly season, how soon will we see official announcements on any signings or will it be after Laguna Seca waiting for the big fish? Alex, announcement first. Um. It's possible this year. I I don't think everyone will wait that long to sign. But let's think about it from this. If you're leaving teams, then you'd all probably prefer just not to announce it until after the season is over. That's just uncomfortable. So you start to announce things when, well, you feel it's going to get leaked or we can't keep the secret out there anymore. It's not comfortable to announce, you know, for example, if someone were to sign with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, um, yeah, it means you're taking somebody's job. So that's probably not going to get announced until after the season. Same thing in certain other, you know, the Elio situation is different because I think if if Blumquist is announced tomorrow, as much fanfare is going to be made as it should be of what's next for Elio. That will probably, and that might be the only part of the announcement tomorrow with Meyer Shank racing. So we'll find out about that. I still think some of the others are going to get tired of waiting and they're going to go ahead and get their deals done and just go the more conservative route when they find a spot that they like. Uh, That's all the time we have. Hey, tomorrow it's a full day. Gates open at 8. IndyCar on track at 9. We'll be able to recap qualifying, set you up for the race. We've got an Indy next race. That's cool. Christian Rasmussen has a little bit of control in the championship, so we'll get into that tomorrow. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, Jake and Mike are next, Beyond the Bricks, 93.5107.5 The Fan.